and welcome back to Keeping It Sunny in Dunny for episode three. As usual, thank you so much for tuning in and a huge shout out to Mr. Stewart and Music. Let's get started. Today we have Brad Robertson, who has quite the CV. In all honesty, I've been Googling him and he's achieved so much that I don't know how to round it up into one catchy intro. So I'll just say this. He's a four times world champion within the martial arts field and now has utilised his skill set to become a successful entrepreneur. But I'm excited for him to expand on all of this. Welcome, Brad, and thank you so much for coming on to podcast number three. A few years ago, you presented such an amazing speech at the school, and it was so inspiring, and I'm aware a lot of pupils didn't have the chance to attend and hear it, so it's amazing to get every, give everyone the opportunity to hear your story. So first of all, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and the achievements within the sporting world so far? Uh, well, thank you for having me along. Um, so my name is Brad Robertson. I am 25 years old, 26 in two months, which is unfortunate. Um <laughs> I have been doing martial arts for 21 years, so I started when I was four. Um, started competing when I was eight years old, and since then I've, com- I've well competed the entire time. Um, I have been over, I've won over 10 Scottish titles, um, 10 British titles, double European champion, and accumulated in four world titles as well. Um, throughout that, a lot of national stuff as well. Um, since I sort of stepped back from competing in 2016, um, I focus more on coaching side, so I started my own club in 2014, Robertson's Martial Arts, and started um, teaching martial arts in Dunbar and Musselburgh, and then from there I've just been sort of focusing on coaching. Um, since starting the club, I have won two more world titles, um, but they were kind of not how I would have liked to have won them. I didn't put in this right training, I didn't put in the right camp, I couldn't really focus on myself. Um, but no, so since then I've just been focusing on business stuff and set up Platinum Performance Centre in 2019, which is a um, local gym in Dunbar, but Spot Road Industrial Estate. And I just focus on now training and sort of producing hopefully future champions. Um, last Was it last year? No, two years ago. I coached my first world champion, which um, was probably the highlight of one of my careers, um, which really is all I'm about now is just coaching and helping and doing all that sort of stuff. Oh my goodness, that is quite the sporting CV. Um, also, an impressive fact about yourself is that you're a former pupil at DGS. Um, how was your DGS experience? Um, I, I loved I loved Dunbar Grammar School. Dunbar's it's always been a brilliant place. Um, I was I was brought up. I lived in the same house um, until my mum and dad finally kicked me out at 20, uh, um, twenty four. <laughs> um, so I've lived in Dunbar all my life. So I loved going to Dunbar Grammar. I wasn't the most academically involved. I didn't really enjoy sitting in a classroom. I didn't enjoy that sort of stuff. I'm sure any of the teachers that were still there will agree with that, that I used to sit and no pay attention and be fidgety as I am now, just sitting and spinning about my chair. Um, but no, I love going to school, love the social side, um, a lot of great experiences in school. Um, and it sort of set me up and helped me decide on what I wanted to do. Um, I kind of decided at an early age that university wasn't going to be for me. Future edge or sort of further education really wasn't going to be for me. Um, I, I could do it, but I just didn't interest me. And if something doesn't interest me, I, I can't really bother with it. <laughs> no, that's a fair judgment. Um, you've kind of talked about that you knew what you wanted to do, and you were quite set on that. Um, what would you have said that you were like as a teenager? Obviously, all the teachers here said that you were a delight. But um, what would you say you were like yeah. as a teenager? I don't know who what teachers would have said that. Like, uh, <laughs> but I think uh, describe myself without swearing here. Uh, <laughs> I was boisterous. I was a boisterous teenager. Um, I enjoyed going out with my friends. I enjoyed sort of just being out. I couldn't sit in the house. Um, but I was very, very focused. I knew exactly what I wanted. Um, I competed right through my teenage years. 
So I was very focused on the competition side. So I'd go out with my friends, I'd get in, do all this sort of stuff, but I would be the first person to say, right, I've got training tonight, so I'll go and play football in the afternoon and then leave straight away, go to my own training. Um, so I was very, very focused. Um, never really got in trouble a lot because I wasn't stupid enough to get caught. Uh, <laughs> but no, I was, I was really, I was really focused on sort of my training from a young age. Really, from about fourteen, um, I really started to take it really seriously. So, was you taking your kind of your sport so seriously? Um, did that like what challenge did you face academically within school or like socially? Did you have to kind of make any sacrifices to make your sport sport work for you? Um, when I, when I really sort of attacked sort of the competing side and really decided that, right, I'm, if I'm going to achieve what I want to achieve, I need to go for it, um, it took a big impact on my social life. So obviously 15, 16 years old, you're starting to go to your pals, you're starting to get up to stuff, and I was having to sacrifice all that. I was never going to parties. I was all our international tournaments are at the end of the summer. So my entire summer would be a training camp. So I'd be training two times a day, three times a day, sort of five, six days a week. So... I really never had the opportunity to do that. Um, don't get me wrong, when I got the chance, I did. I got to go with my friends and I enjoyed it. Um, but our, our sort of competition season was from February till October. So I really only mm. had three months a year where I was kind of out of season, if you will. Um, but no, so I, I did. It, it took a big impact on that. But the benefits I got from that was I've got friends all around the world. So what I missed out on social side in Dunbar, I've got... There's very few countries that I could actually go to and not meet up with people. Fly to Argentina and I could drop a message and meet somebody in Argentina, wow. Australia, That's Canada. Amazing. So the social sides that I missed out on, I've actually gained more of than other people would have. Um, so to balance each other out, um, academically, I, I really, I didn't struggle to study for exams. I, I did focus on my exams, but my exams came at the same time as international tournaments came or qualifiers mm-hmm. did. Um, and I did do my study and I, I, to be fair I got good grades actually um, but it just wasn't for me and I, I just training training is what I wanted to do I wanted to do yeah. um, I, wanted, I, was, I was an athlete from a young age and that's all I wanted to do um, so that did it did impact my sort of my academic side but I got the grades I needed I could have went to university and I got the grades I needed but I just yeah I suppose you were really lucky to kind of know that you wanted to pursue um, your, the sporting side from a young age that actually your grades maybe didn't need to take priority going back to the social side um, I know like even even myself and all my friends are doing something and I can't I get like serious FOMO and I can only imagine <laughs> that when you're younger that must be heightened so much do you remember like you know maybe being in a hotel abroad like waiting to compete and all your friends were out having a good time and you just feeling like oh I don't want to do this anymore I want to be with my friends can remember feeling it, but I can never, I've never once regretted ever sitting going, I'd rather be there than here. Love and that. Yeah, it's a good I, I remember, so both times, um, exam results came out. Obviously, when your exam results came out when you're 15, 16, 17 years old, you're partying, you're all like celebrating or commiserating in a lot of cases. <laughs> um, my first two sets of exam results, I was travelling that day to go to a tournament. So I got my exam results in S five it would have been yes when I went into when I was going into S6 I got my S5 exam results 12 days late because I was flying out to Canada for a while wow um, so 
something like my friends were phoning me and telling me I was in the airport telling me what they got. I might have been posted through my door, so I had to wait 12 days. Oh, um, no. And for all the younger listeners out there, that was back in the day when you wouldn't get it texted you. It had to be of via the, yes. the post. You'd wait for yeah, the post, man. So some people got it at 11 o'clock and some people got it at 5 o'clock, depending on your post came. Yeah, yeah. showing her age here. Uh, um, but no, so, but I, never, I never really, I never felt I was missing out on a lot. Um, that came a little bit later, um, when I was about sort of 18, 19, Missing out on holidays, going away with your, your pals. And oh, of course. Um, that was always tough. Um, and I've sacrificed a lot of them. I've only ever actually well, been away in sort of a couple of weekends and stuff. But I've only ever been away for over three days once um, with my mates, and that was it. Wow. So I've never really had proper holidays um, because I've always been in training camps or working. Or, so there's been a lot of sacrifice. But the plus side is, is you can be part, they can be partying in Dunbar, but... I've got an after party in South Korea that I could go to in Hawaii <laughs> and Canada and so it's kind of it balances out it does balance out yeah and ultimately if you hadn't made those sacrifices you wouldn't be where you are today so and exactly. um, going back to the more academic side or, or sporting side as well was there a specific teacher at Dunbar Grammar that you felt was a specific positive influence to you and kind of well, why without making them too feel, feel too happy but uh, Mr Fraser was always oh. uh, he's probably oh, Mr Fraser and I think it was more just a respect thing. I respected him. Um, I was petrified of him when I was in S1, <laughs> 2, 3 and 4. Um, and then when I sort of moved into hires and stuff, I got to know him. I, done a lot of, I used to do a lot of stuff in the P-Base forum. I used to do a lot of stuff. Um, the Wall of Fame, is that still there? That is still there and you're still, still there. on So it. I made that, I put yeah. that up, I designed mm-hmm. that and I put it up. Um, oh, wow. Did you put yourself front and centre then? <laughs> I, used to, I used to do that sort of stuff. Um, and I just, because I didn't have anything else to do and I wanted to be involved with um, sport. So, um but Mr. Fraser, he definitely impacted me. Even now, I still call him sir. I'm going to school. I'm 20, I'm 26. Next in two oh, months. that's so nice. Don't call him sir. If he phones me, I call him sir. Uh, <laughs> it's just, just had that sort of impact on me. Oh, that's really nice. I know he'll actually really nice. It'll be nice for him to hear that. He'll enjoy that. Um, you've kind of already touched on what I was going to ask about, um, like the social aspect. And you were saying that you don't regret any of it. Um, but more specifically, would quite like to know what it would be like day in day out for like a high-end athlete so what your routine would be like um and how you stayed so dedicated so back when i was actually an athlete those days those days are gone now <laughs> uh, sorry, when i was at the peak so when i was probably my most serious seriously involved in training would have been and when i was 19 i went to college um, and the college course i'd done it was basically just a full-time training course and um, i was in the gym five days a week and that's where I learned a lot of my stuff that I've now taken into what I do now. Um, so I was training, I mean, I was, I was up at Granton, so I was having to get up in the morning. Um, when I was training, when a tournament was coming up, I'd get dropped off at the bottom of Leith and jog along to college in the morning. So I'd get my running in the morning to college, I'd go to the gym, do my session in there, do a couple of classes and stuff like that. Um, we'd have a gym session in there, and then I'd be home at night, train home at night, and then train again. So I was training two or three times a day, um, and I used to train most days. I not normally would train seven days a week. I'd do some some form of something. I didn't like taking days off, um, even just a light session, just keep me moving. Um, but sometimes you you were hitting over sort of twenty sessions a week. Wow. And um, try to target everything that you're doing is good. You've got strength and conditioning. You've got sprint training. You've got sort of your actual combat training. I've got classes that I need to go to that allow me to compete. So I still have to attend classes. Um, so yeah, it was it was a lot of training was involved in it. Um, but the motivation side, my dad was, he's, he was my coach. Well, he's my coach. He was a sort of 
person who drove me. Um, my brother competed. My brother was European champion. Um, so we both competed, and when we were training for tournaments, it was both of us together, and my dad was training us. So I never really got the chance to slack. I'd be dragged out of my bed on a Sunday morning at six o'clock to go sprint in the sand dunes. I never got the chance to get away with it. If I had the opportunity, I would have took a lion. Um, but it was a case of when we agreed that we would be in a training camp, we agreed with my dad. He worked long hours. He's working 12 hour shifts. He could come in at sort of half eight, nine o'clock at night. And no matter what the weather, he was taking us out. We're doing um, sprints up hills and all that sort of stuff. So when we agreed that with him, we had to stick by it. We couldn't pull out with sessions. Um, so I think that, that was definitely a, a big motivator for me was the fact that I couldn't get away with doing anything. I, I had to give it all. Um, and I wish your dad as well. Yeah. They could treat you differently, can't they? They're not scared to give you a smack and give you a scalp. <laughs> um, different way I coached by. So that was definitely a motivator for me. Like, Oh, that's quite nice that um, it was like a family effort as well. Um, apart from obviously like your routines and skills, what have you? What's your biggest takeaway from the industry? What's it really taught you? See, the biggest thing I've learned from certainly combat sort of stuff um, is everyone is going to have an opinion. Everyone, and you see nowadays with professional fighters, um, everyone's got an opinion. Whether you win, lose, they know what they're talking about. They've ever been in the ring. Everyone's going to make a decision. And everyone's going to have something to say about what you do, um, whether it's good or bad. Now, I mean, when you go out and you have a lot of time in the conversation, always have, you're in the pub talking to somebody and everyone is interested, but there's an odd person who's like, well, remember, that's that's fighting under rules. And that's not the street fight. And then it's kind of like, it's, it gets annoying. Um, so everyone does have an opinion and everyone makes their own opinion up of you. Um, but the best thing, the best lesson I've learned is, doesn't really, I, well, I personally don't really care what anyone, anyone thinks of me. Um, and if anyone is or does have an opinion, then they have to take up their cell and do it and see what it's actually like. Um, because sort of combat sports is it's a different it's a different sort of type of training. You're in there on your own. You've not got a team to fall back on. The guy opposite you is trying to knock your head off and try to kill you, trying to knock you out. So there's a, it's, there's a lot of things to take in. Um, but that's definitely what I've learned is everyone's got an opinion. Everybody. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really strong message. I like that. Um, I'm sure at some point in your life or your career so far, you've had kind of two paths to pick from. One might have led you away from where you are now um, and one has led you to where you are now. Can you remember a time like that where you've had a kind of decision to make and you feel like that's been really influential in where you are? I can remember the exact moment. Oh, wow. Okay, 14. go tell. I was 14 um, and I had trials to play at um, Haddon Football Club. Uh, so I played at Dunbar, um, and I was, I was football daft when I was younger. Um, and then I got trial school, and they were, a, they were a better team. And then I got asked to play for them, done two games, got asked to play for them. And then they says to me I had to train three times a week. Um, three times a week plus a game. So there's three training sessions a week and a game. So it was four days a week. And I was buzzing. I was being chosen for the team. And then I got home, and my dad broke the news that I had to choose either I do that and sacrifice taekwondo, and I'm not going to be able to compete at a high level because I'm not going to be training as much or I can pursue Taekwondo and go down that route um, and it was it was a no-brainer for me to be fair as much as I love football ever since I was started Taekwondo at four I wanted to be world champion that's all I wanted to be was a world champion um, um, so I was kind of like that there and then and I just quit football I didn't, I didn't even keep playing for Dunbar I just quit and said right this is it and I was 14 um, and I went to my first European Championships and came second and um, but aye, so that was that was my turning point. And from really that moment, Taekwondo is all I've done. I went through a phase in school where I played rugby for the social side mm -hmm. um, and the training. I loved the training. Um, all my pals played. I played for a season. 
Um, but the injury rate, I was just, it was knackering me for again. So I've done that for a season and then quit that and then just, I've always done it myself. Yeah, I mean, going, like being 14, it must have been so hard because all your friends were probably getting getting to play football and stuff and you having to say no, but on hindsight, that's what's made you are today. So it's great. Um, so moving on from, you know, your younger days and to more now, you have really established a very successful business within the community. Um, could you tell us a little bit more how your life has developed from competing into kind of more ex- inspiring others and tell us a little bit about your business that you've got going? So when I started, I left college in 2000 and, ooh, it would have been 2014 I left college and then, well, I didn't have a job, I was working, so I was a, a um, Bricky's labourer um, and I worked at the Hillside Hotel, washing dishes there and I helped deliver with the brewery, I had all these different part-time jobs, I didn't mm-hmm. have any, I didn't have a career and I'd done my year of training at the college, I'd learnt a lot, I was in the best shape I'd ever been, I was physically very, very fit. Um, and Sorry, I how old were you about in, at I this time? 19. I was 19, 19. okay. And I decided there and then that this, if I'm going to do it, I've wanted, ever since I'm the youngest I can remember was 10, that all I wanted to do was own a gym. Um, and I thought, now if, if I'm going to do it, now it's time to do it. So I just started my club, um, started teaching. I was still working three other jobs teaching. Um, I went full-time teaching on my 20th birthday. Wow. Um, and then ever since, it just sort of gradually built. And... I competed again in 2016. I won the world championships again for Taekwondo, and that was my third one. And I kind of lost, I lost my passion. I lost my drive. Um, it's it's hard to stay motivated when you are at the top, and it, it's really, really, really difficult to stay motivated. Um, and especially when it comes to coaching. So when I won that title there, when I was in 2016, I took three young lads: um, Aaron Ryan, Aaron, and Aaron Miller, and Ryan and Kyle Campbell. Um, mm-hmm. So I took the three of them to Brighton with me, and they all competed in the sort of the cup version of that tournament. And I won my title, and then the following day I got got to coach them. And Aaron wiped sorry my heater's just turned on. Um, <laughs> Aaron wiped the floor with his division. He won gold, and then Ryan and Kyle wiped the floor with theirs, and they got gold and silver in their division. Wow! Um, wow, that's amazing. And then I was kind of like, I almost got more joy out of seeing them, but I did. I probably did get more joy out of them winning than I got to myself winning. Um, and that's that was kind of the turning point for me. I was kind of realised that I've achieved what I wanted to achieve as a athlete, as a um, competitor, and now it's the coaching side that I want to go to. Um, and since then, I've just been I've focused a lot on it. We've, I've got a lot of new young kids coming through, um, and ever since we opened the gym in 2019, um, we've got our own martial arts centre, and we've got the gym. Where I've been able to really focus on not just teaching martial arts, but I can do the SNC side. I can actually train athletes, um, which is a massive the, the difference it made to me. That year at college made to me. Uh, it opened my eyes to how important the SNC side is and understanding of how your body works and not just being a fighter, but being an athlete. Um, mm-hmm. As and probably my competitive side, but I'm a firm believer in an athlete should be able to turn their hand to any sport. You should be able to be at a good level of any sport, um, and that's just through your fitness levels. Um, you shouldn't just you shouldn't be a sort of a, 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 sorry a one sport person. So mm. um, and I focus on that. I do a lot of training with. I, I teach loads of. Well, I do multi sport stuff now, um, and a lot of the people that I train are they're taking on the responsibilities that I sort of put on them. I put on. I'm, I'm a very I'm a hard person to please, to say the least. <laughs> uh, so they do take on. I put on a lot of responsibility on them. Um, but by doing that, they then realise what it takes to actually 
get to where you need to go if, if that's what they want to do. A lot of people don't. Very, very few people are interested in, com- in competing. Um, I mean, of my club, I've got over 160 people in my club and I think I maybe have a squad of 10 people who compete. Um, and of that, you're lucky if you go international because it's just the commitment's not there. Um, and that's absolutely fine. I'll never push it on people. But having that one or, the one or two individuals to train and focus, I feel I get more joy out of now than I do out of competing myself. Um, so, no, I definitely has. It's, it's changed my outlook on it and having people competing and winning international titles it means more to me now as a coach than it did as, ever as a competitor that's so nice it feels like you're kind of doing the full the full circle round and obviously um, your dad's kind of tough love and motivation is paying off on you because you're kind of taking that role on, <laughs> on the other people which is which is great and um, where do you see yourself in five to ten years time that can be kind of businesses or um, just your personal life and self um, and do you see any kind of challenges to get to that point? Ideally, retired in Hawaii, driving the coast of <laughs> that'd be ideal. Amen but, uh, to that. I know. Um, no, um, I think I'll be. I think I'll be competing again. Um, I'll definitely oh, come wow. back and compete. Oh, um, I'm, I'm not done yet. I've got a. I've got a little, a little drive back. Um, I do have a focus back, so I am planning on competing. Plan doing the world championships next year, um, and then. 10 years time ideally I want to be I'll never, I'll never step away from martial arts it's something that I'll be in for the rest of my life um, I'll do it until I can't walk anymore um, but ideally I, I don't want to be doing what I'm doing I, I'm, I work I mean I, an average or a, a quiet week for me is 60 hours and that's me sitting about four wow. Hours mind wow. my average working week is like 9 hour weeks so I, I, can't, I can't do that for the rest of my life um, mm-hmm. I want to step back I want to have a team come through or a squad come through who can basically pass on my legacy and take on my roles and have my own world champions who people are they're going to forget about what I've done because it was 10 years ago. Then I've got my own world champions who come through and they'll be doing their own stuff um, and be able to sort of step back a little bit and actually enjoy, get back into that, just enjoy it and not worry about the business side of people run stuff and yeah. not have to be paying 90 hour a week, seven days a week and go on holiday when I want to go on holiday and... Um, no, there's, there's definitely a few obstacles, definitely a few challenges in the way. Um, one, I'd say I'm a workaholic. Well, I'm not a workaholic. I'm not a workaholic because I'm. <laughs> I don't like it. I won't do it. Uh, but you've definitely got a drive. Yeah, you're I'm committed. With the place. And even on my day off, I got given a day off um, a couple of, um, just before Christmas, um, and I came into the gym three times on my day off just to have a chat with people in the gym and see what's going on. And I'm meant to be off and spend time with my girlfriend. I'm like, ah, I'm screwing up, up to the gym. I'll go back in a minute. <laughs> um, Aye, so I definitely I need to step back. I'll definitely hopefully be able to step back um, and focus more on myself rather than just chucking my life into the business. That sounds good. Yeah. You're obviously like super committed, and it shows right through that you're passionate about what you do. Um, with COVID, obviously being a big part of everybody's life right now, um, how has that impacted like yourself, your business? Um, has it impacted any future plans, or maybe it's given you time to actually plan ahead? Um, as massively last last year we took I took a massive massive hit so we, I got closed the month before my first the, the gym's first birthday so I didn't even make it a year open before we got closed again um, and the amount of the money I don't like talking about the money side but the money when you look at it the money that went into the place the time that went into the place for it to then be sitting empty for five months was brutal um, and it got to the point I mean I worked I was working mental I was seven days a week for years and years and years and I was skint because 
all my money was getting put into what we want to do. Um, and then I finally started to see a bit of money. I'm actually making money here. This is good. And then COVID hit. And it's kind of, it did, it impacted massively financially. Um, very fortunate that um, we had a lot of members, a lot of members continue to pay. Um, so at no point was I ever losing money. I was never struggling for money or going to be closed. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that. Um, and that's purely because my members. Um, but it was, it was still hard to go over because I have, I've, I've got plans and I'm not done expanding. I'm not done growing the business. Um, then we've got reopened. It's absolutely boomed. It's went mental. The, the martial arts went through the roof. Um, I think we had an intake, something ridiculous, of about 30 or 40 um, new kids within the space of about two months. So like it was, everyone was getting into it and everyone was training constantly. The gym rocketed and then it hit again. And it's like, sitting now, we've got, I've got another phase planned for the gym. I've got another expansion planned and that is all, that's all set in motion. It's ready to go. And it was planned for um, April, but that's also going to be knocked back. Um, but it's, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's a, it's hard to take. It's a, it's really difficult to take actually. Um, but thankfully, like, like I say, the members that we've got, like everyone supported me. Um, obviously, people cancel. People can't afford to pay membership. People have lost their jobs. So I'm in a very fortunate position where people can still continue to pay me. Um, but all the money that sort of is given is just getting reinvested, and we are still able to go ahead with what we had planned. But it's just going to be delayed, yeah. which annoys me because I'm, I had it set and I had it planned. <laughs> I had that week planned. Opening week was planned, and so that's kind of annoyed me. But we'll get there. It's uh, is it? Oh, sorry, the just came up there. <laughs> There we go. Um, aye, so it, it's been it's been difficult, but we're getting through it. We're surviving. I've got a good team around me, supported by a good team. Members have been brilliant. Um, General friend supports me. So it has, it's, it's definitely, this time round has been a lot easier than last time. Oh, that's good to hear. You're super positive about it, despite how tricky it can be as well. Um, oh, you should you should hear me about my bad days. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've kind of already touched upon if you had a like a positive role model or someone that impacted you when you were at school. But just curious if you've had a role model when it was like competing, or it might be now during like being a business owner. Um, if that's changed any. Um, two sort of role models I'd say I have. Um, or two of my coaches. So one of them. Um, it was my college coach. He was only my coach, believe it or not, for three and a half months at college. He left at Christmas time to go to America. Um, Andy Thompson. And I still in contact with him now. Message him regularly. Still in contact. I flew over to see him. He was in Atlanta. I flew over. To, I was in America, so I flew up to see him in 2015. And went and visited him. Done some training with him. Um, and I still stay in touch now. And just his how he carried himself, the energy he brought to a session. You're sitting on a Monday morning, seven o'clock, half asleep, and he comes bouncing in like an energizer bunny and like that sort of it, it, it rubbed off on you I mean you were in a gym with him everybody was working hard so how he presented himself and how he sort of trained us um, and how he was with us as well he was somebody you could approach somebody you could speak to was definitely and I, I try and take that on as best I can try and have that sort of relationship with my athletes now um, another one my instructor Grandmaster Nichols he's down in London he's really the man who's given me all the opportunities that I've had um, he's man he's paid for me to go to Uruguay, Canada, South Korea, Rome, and Naples. He paid for me to go all these places um, mm-hmm. to compete, to represent his sort of team. Um, and it's he's given me opportunities that I wouldn't have gotten anywhere else. So for that reason alone, 
it just shows what kind of person he is and that's what I'm trying to do with my club um, if people need support I give them support um, I managed to take a team a squad of 10 or so to Barcelona a couple of years ago um, fully funded for them they managed to go um, out paying a penny for themselves um, so that sort of thing business wise I think not not so much business more of the martial arts side it is, and martial arts is giving back and it's not martial arts isn't about making money um, it is about giving back it is about supporting others and giving people opportunities I'm fortunate enough um, to have been given those, those opportunities so seeing what he's done and what he's done with me is definitely a big reason that I'm doing what I'm doing now um, and what my goals are for my club and where I want to go in my club um, I should say they two, two of my coaches are my two role models oh that's nice and that's obviously amazing. Gareth he's listening <laughs> I Gareth Hill, of course he is everyone's role model <laughs> right <laughs> Um that, no, I really like how you've had, you've obviously had so many inspiring people in your life and some people don't have anyone like that in their life. So it's really nice that you're kind of trying to, you're stepping up to be that person for a lot of, a lot of kids, which is really nice. Um, okay, we're going on to questions from the listeners. Um, so we have some from students and some from members of staff. So the first question um, comes from one of my National Five um, pupils, but they want to stay anonymous. So what is the difference in your emotions between winning your first title and winning your last title? Um, like, did you expect to win your last title? You've kind of touched upon this. It'd be quite interesting to see what you say. I have got film footage of all three Taekwondo World titles of me bursting out crying when I won. Oh, wow. And that was from 17 <laughs> okay. to 21. Um, <laughs> so the first one that I won um, when I was 17, it was 2012 when I was in Canada. Um, that was one. My first ever World Championships was in 2010. Went to South Korea. Um and my whole the whole situation was bad for me. I put myself into the wrong weight group. I ended up having to have a massive weight cut to make that weight. Um, and it was, I mean, I, I looked like a ghost. My face was all drawn wow. in. I lost that much weight. It was horrible. Um, and the better bit about that was the guy who won the weight category above me, I beat two weeks before we went. Oh. <laughs> and that was very, very, Hard that to was take. difficult for me to take. So when I won mm-hmm. in Canada, it was more of a relief. I knew I should be world champion. I deserve to be world champion. So I won there. Um, and then I moved into adults in Rome in 2014. Um, I was 19. You don't, nobody moves into the adults and wins the world title. Nobody does it. No one moves straight in. You basically, you come out with juniors and you have to work your way back up. You win your adult world title at 25, 26. Um, and I went in at 19. Um, and I, I wiped the floor with the entire category and I won. Um, so that was very overwhelming. And that was a... Uh, Again, I'm on video of Burst of Crying, uh, <laughs> winning that title. Um, and then I, I needed to challenge myself in 2016, so I moved up in the open weight category, so 82 plus kilos. Um, the, the guy I fought in the final was six foot, must be about six foot six, six foot seven, it was 110 kilos. I was 82 kilos, so it was, it was wow. a, thing, a, a building my arms and legs. Um, <laughs> so when I won that category, it was a category I didn't deserve to be in. I shouldn't have been in there. I was like a little child in it. Um, so when I won that, again, it was massive emotions. Um, there's actually really good pictures of me. It's the only time I've had them for um, professional photographers capture the moment I actually won um, and get my armies and stuff like that. And I actually dropped to the floor in tears. Um, <laughs> so it was because I set myself all these challenges, winning my first one, winning my third one there, they were, they were they all meant the same to me. Um, when it came to my last one, the kickboxing one I won two years ago, that really... Taekwondo is what my, what my passion is. Kickboxing was a wee additional sport. So when I won that world title, it was more... I had one of my young Kyle Campbell. He had just won his world title the day before. 
So I was there for him, and he won that, and I really couldn't care anything else after that. Yeah. It didn't bother me. So when I won that one, it was kind of like, I've already won Kyle one, so I, I, yeah. really, I couldn't really care that I'd won it. Um, the difference in kickboxing and taekwondo, taekwondo, when we're doing it, there's a lot of qualifiers needed. There's a lot of build-up to it. I mean, for me to win a world title, there's like eight months worth of tournaments and build-up criteria needed met. Um, for the kickboxing one, paid my money and entered and went in. You still fight the best in the world, but you've not got that the sort of build up to the it. passion that was behind in the Taekwondo one and the eight months of build up that I've this is what I've committed my entire life to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So when I won the kickboxing one, it, it wasn't as I wasn't as joyful. I won it and I was happy, but mm-hmm. Kyle had won, so I really didn't really bother me. That's quite um, nice though that you were like happy with his win, like being your own win. I like that. Aye, it's uh, that definitely. Uh, I'd always say, I'd, I'd choose any of my students, I'd rather see them win than me win. I've had, I've had my glory, I've had my time. Um, and seeing my students win is definitely better. Like That's such a nice outlook. Um, our next question comes from Gareth Hill. He's getting a lot of airtime on this podcast today. Um, <laughs> so he's asked, um, what's it like to train the performance athletes at Dunbar Grammar School? Because we know that you've just started doing that this year. So, um, so we started the DPD course, me and um, one of the personal trainers here, um, Carl Main. We started the course in, I think it was November, no, it wouldn't have been, I think it was October we started the course. Um, and it's a mixed course of, we've got tw- I think it's 24 athletes we've got in it now, of boys and girls. Um, we've got sports, we've got um, kickboxers, we've got rugby, we've got hockey, basketball, swimming, cycling, uh, badminton, I think there's another one as well probably. Um, so it's, it's a nice mix. I've always trained in mixed sports because what I do is very unique. Um, there's no one. When I was like, I done like the PACE program and stuff at school, um, I was the first ever martial arts to do it. I was almost like a, a guinea pig for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just chucked in. I was training with badminton players and hockey players and just sort of a mix of everything. Um, and when I was at college, it was the same. You had a rugby course, then you had the mixed sport course. So I trained with footballers, I trained with basketball players, um, triathletes. So I've always been involved in mixed sports, which is good because you get a different feel for different outlooks on sport. When you, like a rugby player, you're not training. Sometimes you're not training one player, you're training the entire team. And I always say to my athletes, our rugby team's only as strong as the weakest player. Um, so that's why it is important for those. And that's why... With team stuff, you, you do see that team passion. When we're in there and it's all individuals, you've got one from each team and you've got different sports, you really do see sort of the, their personality come out rather than sort of shine back behind their team. You actually see them, um, which is brilliant. I, and I do, I do love that. Um, probably one of, one of my, my favourite things I do now is train that um, oh. group. Um, hard working, smash it. It's my first ever time actually being involved in SNC with um, females as well. Um, I've only ever been involved with males and the sort of rugby team and stuff. Um, and working with the girls, I wasn't sure because I've never worked with teenage girls in a gym before, um, especially not a gym like this. So I didn't know how to take it, and they took it in their strides and their wee widows and the <laughs> cheek, and but they were brilliant, and uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And seeing them coming through, seeing how they're progressing is it is brilliant. Like it's very very rewarding. Yeah, I know that they yeah, definitely love great. it. Yeah. Um, okay, going slightly off topic there. Um, what have you got any strategies for anyone who's maybe struggling throughout lockdown? Um, I'd say don't compare what you're doing to anybody else. Um, everyone's got their own situation. Everyone's got their own problems. Everyone's got their own challenges. Um, 
and just take it as it comes. Everyone's going through their own stuff. So if you look at somebody who's running 10K every day and you go, I should be doing that, it's maybe not realistic. Somebody's learned two new languages. It's maybe not realistic, you know what I mean? Um, just accept what it is. Everyone's going through it. Make the most out of it. Take advantage. Um, I know in my first lockdown, I was the, the first time in probably about five years, last lockdown, I was eating three meals a day regularly. That's I never never used to have breakfast because I was out at half five in the morning mm-hmm. and not back in until lunchtime. So I never used to eat breakfast. So I was taking advantage of the fact that I was getting three meals a day. Um, I was getting to spend time with my girlfriend I never used to get um, got to spend. I got to have my dinner at seven o'clock rather than half ten at night. So the little there is little wins there if you're if you can look past the, the downside of it. Um but just don't get caught up in it. I mean I've got a, a fully functional gym here that I'm allowed to use and I've put on two stone. And that's not much of a fat. <laughs> like it's so everyone does it and just because you've got accessible you're accessible to do stuff, don't you don't feel like you have to do it. It's just take it as it comes. And enjoy. Yeah, I especially feel with social media, like it's it's mental to see that everyone's posting all the amazing things they're doing, but you don't see them maybe struggling throughout the day and, and things like that. And then it, it fuels everyone else to feeling that they're left getting left behind a little bit. So I think that's really good advice. Yeah, um, it's a really nice message as well. The little wins, like it's so so true. Um, sticking on the advice theme, um, if you could go back in time and give your younger self some wisdom or advice, what would it be? Avoid Becky G. Yeah. <laughs> um, she so, love that. Um, I'd probably say don't get complacent. Um, it's very, or my experience, getting to the top is easy, but staying at the top is a hard bit. Um, and from what I was doing, the build-up that I went through, and I won, I lost a lot, I won a lot. I think I lost as much as I was world champion. I think I've lost a fight every year since I was like 14. So I was always getting beat. There was always somebody who could beat me. Um, when I won the junior world title when I was 17, um, that was kind of me. I, I moved into adults early, went straight in. I was 17 fighting the adult category. And I kind of went in with the attitude as I'm world champion, they should be scared of me. And I got brought back down to earth very, very hard. <laughs> uh, where I, I like good punch in the face and I stepped into my fight and I was got hit and I was like, oh my God, this is a grown man going to kill me here. Um, and that was kind of, I got very complacent as to what I could do and where my abilities were. Um, so I definitely say that make sure you you stay on track and you're not as good as you think you are. You're always be better. <laughs> That's some solid advice. Um, and lastly, so um, if our in our listeners are interested in finding out a bit more about your business, more information, what's on offer, um, where's the best place for them to find that kind of thing out? Obviously, we'll put um, it on the You can get us on Facebook. So you've got Robertson's Martial Arts on Facebook um, and Platinum Performance Centre on Facebook. So you search them in. Um, you can drop us a message on there and we'll get back to you straight away. Or you can get us on Instagram. The Instagrams are Robertson's Martial Arts page is at Robertson's underscore MAF. And the Platinum Performance Centre is Platinum underscore Performance underscore Centre. Um, so again, you can follow us on there. You see all the updates on there. We keep up. We I'll try my best to keep up with social media. It's a nightmare to try and keep on top of it all. But um, I do my best. But you can drop us a message on there. Um, when we're back open, you can pop in, have a wee chat. Um, and we can look at what we can do for you. Um, we've got plenty of PTs on site. They can help you if you're interested in martial arts. I definitely say get involved in it. Um, it is the best thing I've ever done, um, and it's given me a life that not many people can have. So it's definitely worth doing, um, or at least trying. At least you can try it and say it wasn't for me, or 
you might find it's your passion. Well, thank you so much. We can't thank you enough for coming on. You're honestly, we know firsthand that we teach many um, students that, that you also teach. And genuinely, you're such an inspiration to them. Um, and we hope that this has kind of been able to share your story wider and to other people and, and hopefully as well some of them try out um, at your gym and things like that. But thank you so much um, for coming on. Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Okay, I definitely didn't sell him very well in the intro, um, so I'm very glad he had a chance to lift off his, his own achievements. Yay, that was so good. I loved how he's done a full circle from being an athlete to a coach and you can see how passionate he is about coaching. It's great that we have such a positive role model in the Dunbar community. So thank you so much to Brad for giving up his time. If you're enjoying our podcast, please retweet, regram and spread the positivity. Thank you for listening and remember to keep it sunny in 